Hello, hey, hi, welcome to episode 22 of Axing the Future. I'm your host Axel, or as most of you guys on the internet might know me as 56th Grid. A bit about myself, I'm a 13-year-old photographer who's currently a Ted's Young Gun. I'm a huge cricket fan with a dream to hopefully one day represent Australia. I'm also a podcaster and I'm from Australia. So it is very nice to meet you if I haven't seen you before. If you're returning, thank you very much for coming back. It has been a very, very, very long time in between podcasts. I've taken a little break, relaxed a bit, just spent a bit of, bit of normal teenage time hanging out with mates, a bit of gaming, getting on Call of Duty and things like that. So in today's podcast, it's a little bit different than what we usually see from a podcast um, of, of my caliber. We're going to be going all around sport. Now, sport is my favorite subject in the world to talk about in any means. Um, you know, I want to work around sport. If cricket doesn't work out, I'd love to jump in the media, do something similar like Mark Howard is currently doing. Um, so I think it's going to be a great podcast. But before we jump in, we're going to have a little talk about how I've been going and what's going on in the world. So, you know, it's obviously been a pretty tough time recently. Down here in Melbourne, we've just entered our sixth lockdown. We only had 11 cases today, but in the last few days, I think we peaked at about 35. So I think we'll be staying in lockdown past our scheduled Thursday. By the time this podcast is out, you guys probably know if we're still in lockdown or not. I'm hoping we're not because been really hard being in school one week and then out for two and in for two it's it's a really complicated process so i'm hoping it's better uh, you know it's going to get better but i've been doing well when we haven't had lockdown i've been loving playing a lot of footy it's one of my favorite things to do alongside cricket they're my they're my top two sports so that's been lots of fun so we're going to jump straight into the theme which is sport and we're going to start off by talking a bit about the olympics it has obviously just wrapped up in the last few days um uh, the closing ceremony for us was yesterday so it went it went really 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 quickly a lot quicker than i i ever thought an olympics would be like obviously the last time there was an olympics i was only eight years old um down in rio i've obviously seen the winter olympics and that's coming out um, next February in China, which is an incredibly weird spot to hold the Olympics, especially for a Winter Olympics. I was expecting it to be a Summer Olympics for for China because I don't know how much snow they get. I don't know if it's going to be artificial. Um, but hey, that's all that's all to find out. But obviously, if you have been keeping up with the Olympics, you'd know that USA did win the medal tally. Um, they won it by a heap. They almost won it by double second which was China um, and then I think we had the home nation Japan with us finishing in sixth I think it was it was a solid effort um, we did have the second most athletes behind Japan and usually you know the home country will have the most athletes um, especially with this COVID affected Olympics I think it would have been harder to send more athletes out and I think that's where it was a real advantage for Japan but I think sixth probably wasn't as high as we would have wanted I think Top four, top three is where they would have expected or wanted to be. But, I mean, it's been such a tough year, especially in Australia where we're so isolated from the rest of the world with travel. So I think it's definitely something to be proud about. Emma McEwen, one of our swimmers, she won seven medals in total. I believe that was with four or three gold, which is which is truly amazing. I think that's the most a swimmer has ever ever won in medals. She competed in 11 events and um, more than half of them came off with medals. So I think that's something to be very proud about. The whole Australia was proud. And then we also had, obviously, the boxer. It was the first to make it to the semifinals in, I think, 40 years, which was which was huge. 
Then we also have Ash Barty, which was a crazy upset. Coming off winning Wimbledon just weeks before the Olympics, she came out, got knocked out in the first round, which was just astounding. I mean, it isn't easy. You know, she's obviously traveled all around the world playing tennis. She might have been a bit worn out, but... It was definitely not something I expected. I was hoping she would win gold, as I was with all the other athletes, but she was definitely one where I was, you know, I don't watch tennis too much myself, but looking online, I was like, yeah, she should. She should have a good chance at winning it. Now, in this year, we had a few new sports, um, exhibition sports. That doesn't mean they're fully in. They were trying them out. But girls skateboarding, God, I hope skateboarding just stays in the Olympics because it was truly amazing to watch. Three of the six girls skateboarding medals were won by girls who are just 13 years old, which is crazy. We had Sky Brown, the social media sensation, win third in the Women's Park, which was the only event she competed in. She's amazing. She's all over TikTok, all over YouTube, her and her brother, her family, where they're traveling, skating and surfing. I think she's definitely one to look out for in the future in both the skating and um, surfing world. We had the homegirl, Momiji Nishia. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. I'm trying my best here. She came first in the woman's street at just 13 years old. She's only a few months older than me, which is which is crazy to think while I'm sitting here on the TV, you know, watching the Olympics with some chips and some lollies and things like that, that she's actually out there competing. It's crazy. And then Raisa Neal, the, um, the Brazilian, came second in the woman's street, which was awesome to see first and second by 13-year-olds. She's actually younger than me, which is which is crazy to think. So that was that was an awesome achievement. And then we also had, obviously, surfing as a, another debutante sport with Owen Wright, one of my favorite surfers. I've met him. He's an amazing guy. I mean, it was obviously a quick, you know, take a photo interaction, but he just seemed like a really good guy. He looks stoked to win the bronze, which I was really proud, you know, to have an Aussie win the, the first ever bronze in in surfing and then we obviously had Italo Ferreira win gold the Brazilian he's a star and um, Kanoa Igarashi win silver for Japan I don't know how many of you guys uh, follow the surfing closely I've always followed the surfing closely me and my dad love it and we thought it was crazy you might know Gabriel Medina he's a Brazilian he's insane he got knocked out and didn't finish off with a medal which was which was crazy. We also had Julian Wilson come and finish fourth. Again, a huge achievement to have third and fourth. Owen Wright and Julian Wilson fighting off for the bronze medal was a very interesting matchup. And then we had the big boomers. Now, they have never, ever won a medal in basketball since 1956, or that's the year they came in. They did unbelievably. Paddy Mills went off just like Michael Jordan. Like, literally, in the NBA, you know, he's a solid he's a solid backup point guard. But you don't see him as a, a number one option. And what he did was astounding, dropping 42 in the final against Luka Doncic, um, Slovenia, which was huge. And then we had Matisse Tybel, who's my probably favorite basketball player at the moment. If you haven't seen him, he is American, but he was born in Australia. So he does have that connection to Australia, which means he did represent Australia in the Olympics. He has a YouTube channel where he posts all about, you know, the behind the scenes of being a basketball player in the NBA. If you haven't already seen it, I'd like 100% recommend you check it out. It's Matisse Thibel. Um, so definitely check that out. And then we had the Matildas in the women's soccer. Now, obviously, they've, they've never had an amazing finish. You know, soccer's not a very big sport over here in Australia. But for them to come out and finish fourth and play Sweden in the semifinal, which was huge for our family. Obviously, I'm half Swedish, half Australian. Mum was going for the Swedes. Dad was going for Australia. Me and my sister were kind of sitting on the rope in between a bit. We didn't really know who to go for, but I'm really happy Swedes made it through. Sadly, they couldn't uh, get the gold, but to get the silver was a huge achievement. We had a friend in there 
did get a few goals throughout the tournament. Um, it was a neighbour to us in Sweden, Olivia Skoog. So that was so awesome to see. So next up, we have the NBA. We obviously had the draft just weeks ago with Cade Cunningham being the obvious number one pick. He's been hyped up for years now. But to see him go to Detroit, like, oh. I mean, if you're playing in the NBA, you're playing in the NBA. You'd be happy wherever you go. But I don't know if Detroit's a spot for his career to move forward. I don't know how he's going to go there. I Hopefully, they can get him out of there within the next few years. I think he's going to be a bit like an Anthony Edwards. You know, he'll be up there, but he just doesn't have the team around him. So hopefully, I mean, either he leaves or Detroit build a team around them, which I can't see happening. Their GM isn't great. We'll see. But then we have the Aussie Josh Giddy, pick number six by the Oklahoma City Thunder OKC. We were expecting him to drop to 10. We were having like bets at school and things like that. So seeing him get picked up six was amazing. I think he's going to go good at OKC with a with a big three of him and Shea. And um, I don't know who else, but I think it's going to be a good team sometime in the future. Funny enough, I do see Josh Giddy around a bit. He, he lives pretty close to the neighborhood before he moved to Adelaide for the... Um, for the NBL and his like season leading up to the draft, he decided to not go the college route and play a professional year like Lamelo Ball did here in Australia. Uh, but today he did get injured in the summer league. Um, he fell down. And he was clutching his knee and his ankle. They think it's fine. I think it's just a sprained ankle. But hopefully he's going to be fine. I think he will be. But. It was a bit scary. And it's it's been a pretty crazy few weeks in the NBA as well. Obviously, free agency had just started. Russell Westbrook has gone to LA with his huge salary. I have no idea how the Lakers are paying for that. It's it's truly astounding to see them paying that. He'll be paying over $44 million by 2023. I don't know how they're going to do that. And it will be weird. It's, it's a weird team, the Lakers. They're so weak on the three-point line. And they had to give up a lot for him there as well. Obviously giving away Kyle Kuzma and a few picks and a lot of other pieces. So I'm mixed feelings about that. But on the other hand, I think the Bulls have had an amazing free agency this far. They picked up DeMar DeRozan and his huge contract. But I think they'll be able to work around that now that he's the main man in Chicago. They also happened to pick up Lonzo Ball. So it's going to be a good starting lineup with Lonzo Ball. we got DeRozan, Zach Levine, who's a superstar. I think he'll make the All-Stars this year. He should and then you've obviously got Laurie Markkinen at the four and Vucevic as the five. And then you've got a bit of depth there in Colby White as the sixth man. He was obviously the sixth pick in the same draft class as Ja Morant and Zion just a few years back. But moving on to the Australian cricket, this is my favorite topic. I'm very heavily involved in the cricket. They were just over in Bangladesh recently, um, or they're still over there now. The fifth game's actually coming up in exactly... One hour as I'm recording this at 7.15pm on Monday the 9th of August. They are down 3-1 to Bangladesh. They've never, ever lost a series to them. And um, we did well um, last night or the night before to not have the chance of getting swept. And it's good that we won one game, but... He did struggle to only chase 105 with an over to spare. But that did include Dan Christian bashing five sixes in an over. 666.66. So he was just that one ball away from getting the perfect 36 off an over before the team crumbled five for 18. Mitch Marsh had a tough one, even though I think in the last six ODIs and T20s, I think he's proved himself to be Australia's number one all-rounder, maybe even the number one all-rounder in the world. I mean, we've obviously only faced Bangladesh and the West Indies. I think it'll be interesting to see what we do against teams like New Zealand, India, England, things like that, when where it's a bit more competition. You have a few better bowlers, but it's still amazing. Just matches ago in the third match. Brandon Ellis, who is a Hobart Hurricanes bowler, he's very short, he's... 
got a very slippery style, came on for debut and got a hat-trick, a hat-trick on debut. Only the second Australian to ever do so with alongside the man Damien Fleming, who was a legend of the game. He did it in test cricket. Um, but I think I think that was crazy to see him get a hat-trick on debut. Even though he did lose the game, it was definitely something to take from it. And then we also have the upcoming Ashes series, which is starting in less than 100 days now with Aussies obviously taking on England. It's the trademark series Australia plays in every Two years, every four years it's in Australia. So the last time I was here, this was before the whole Steve Smith, Cameron Bancroft, David Warner controversy. I have a few predictions for this. So I think the Aussies are going to win at 3-1. They're just so strong in Australia. And with a healthy team, hopefully Pekofsky's fit and things like that, I think we should win it and we should win it comfortably. I think we might go down at Perth. I think that's that's one ground that we haven't really figured out yet. Um, and then it also depends on the SCG wicket. We might even go down there, but I can't see that happening. I don't even know if it will happen with COVID over there. So I think the most runs will be Steve Smith. He never fails to disappoint against England. He's always the top run scorer every time we play England in a test match series, the Ashes. So I think he's got it locked there. But, you know, you never know. It could be Marnus. could be Joe Root. could be Sibley for all I know. The most wickets, I've got Josh Hazelwood. Bit of a weird pick. I think a lot of people would have gone with a Pat Cummins, a James Anderson, a, um, a Stuart Broad. But Hazelwood is such a solid bowler. Just bowls end-to-end, heavy ball, always catching the edge. And I think I think he's definitely going to be the leading wicket taker. But then after the Ashes, this is where it gets interesting. Will Payne hang up the boots? Will he retire? Will he give up captaincy? I think Payne's going to retire. If Payne does retire... I think Smith will be handed back captain. I don't see anyone else good enough to have the captaincy just yet. I, I can't see Pat Cummins taking it. I don't really like bowlers captaining. You know, you really want them focusing on um, what's what's right for them, and you would hate to see him do that and then not be concentrating on his batting. I mean, his bowling, and then something goes wrong. I still want to see it. So I'm hoping that Smith gets the captain and Inglis gets the keep. A lot of people are saying Alex Carey, I'm not the biggest on Alex Carey. I love him. I think he's he's definitely the better cricketer. I think he's the best white ball keeper. He's easily the best in leadership. And if there was ever a keeper that needed to come in and step in a vice captain, I'd choose Alex Carey any day of the week. But Inglis, I think he's definitely the better player in form as of now. And I love him. I had him in my super coach this year for the BBL. I think he's a really, a really good batsman and keeper. So... I think he'll get the nod in future series, but it's so far away, so we don't really know. But we're going to move on to the AFL. There's currently two rounds left after tonight where Melbourne take on West Coast in 30 minutes, which I'm pumped to watch. It'll be a game where Melbourne really have to win it to be able to keep their spot in the top four. And it's a really important game for West Coast as well because they sit seventh right now, but if they fail to win this game and the next, they could see themselves finishing ninth or 10th. And that is if the Saints make it in. I am a huge Saints fan, 12-year member, don't know anything better. Um, I, I, I watch them every weekend. I cry over them. I'm up at the top when they're doing well and I'm down at the bottom when they're not. Um, so I'm really hoping they can win and make the eight. It is going to be very hard. We'd have to beat Geelong convincingly with percentage, which I'm going to be honest, I can't really see happening. but. You know, who knows? Maybe. And then we have to beat Frio the week after, who are really up and down teams. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, 
We'll definitely see on that one. And then we got the wooden spoon, obviously. There's actually a bit of a fight for the wooden spoon, as crazy as that sounds. Will it be North or Hawks? Now, they currently, the Hawks sit a game above them. So four more points after a convincing win against the Pies, which I don't think anyone saw coming. I did tip the Pies. And North were up against Richmond at halftime and then just crumbled. They're not a four-quarter team. I think North are going to get the um, the wooden spoon. But to be honest, I love North. I really hope they do well. I think they're going to be well in the next few years. They've got a good, young, solid side. So hopefully they can get the job done and be in the eight within the next three or four years. And for the last subject we're going to talk about in today's podcast, we're going to talk about the football or the soccer that we know here in Australia. It is a very weird situation now in the whole soccer world with the announced news that just happened hours ago that Messi is off to Paris, uh, the PSG team. They are going to be stacked. I don't know what the contract situation is. They haven't released the pod, uh, the contract at the time of me recording this podcast. I think it's going to be a lot, but I don't know because you've got bloody um, Neymar on a huge contract. So we'll see what happens there. But I think they're going to be so good. I'm really confused on what their intentions are, though, because they're not in the best league. I'm not going to call it a farmer's league, as a lot of people call it. But league on, it's not a league where, you know, it's not close to the Premier League or even Serie A. So I don't know why they're stacking a team out there and why they all want to go there. I believe it's because they want to win the Champions League which I think they'll definitely do with the likes of Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi, the new trio. Obviously, just Mbappe taking uh, Suarez's spot in the MSN. And you've also got Verratti running through there. You've got Ramos, who's signed. Hakimi, who's going to be a star. Donnarumma. And I don't know what's going to happen with Navas, because he's a world-class keeper, but he doesn't get himself a spot in the team over Donnarumma, I believe. So... I think he'll he'll get the boot and hopefully a good club will pick him up. Maybe even it's a swap. Milan get Navas because right now they don't have a solid keeper. So that's interesting. And then we've also got the crazy things happening in the Premier League. I'm a huge Tottenham supporter. And obviously it's a bit of a pickle right now with Harry Kane. He, two days in a row, he's refused to go to the Spurs training after a gentleman's deal between the, the club and Harry Kane to let him go this summer. It hasn't happened yet, but now that he wanted to go to City, but City have now obviously bought Grealish for $100 million, which is a bit of a weird one because I can't see him playing over Sterling or Mares, but we'll see how that goes. But where does he go? Does he stay? Does he go to Chelsea? Does he go over to La Liga? What, what, what happens here? Because it's a bit of a weird one because obviously a lot of teams are also looking for er- Erling Haaland, who's the Norwegian um, Borussia Dortmund player. So... I don't know what's going to happen here. I can't see him going anywhere. I think they're just going to have to deal with it and he'll stay for another year. But he doesn't like it because he's not, he's not, he wants a trophy and he's not getting one at Tottenham. So we're going to go on to the prediction or my prediction for this year um, in the Premier League. So I have Man City winning it. I think their team's just too good for them not to win it. If they don't win it, I'd be, I'd be crazy. Coming second, I have Manchester United. I think they're too good to not come second. Or maybe even first they could come. You never know. It's a a weird season now with COVID and everything. But with the likes of Varane and Sancho joining them, they are such a strong team. Like, so strong. But not far behind them. I've got Chelsea, obviously the Champions League winners of recent. They're a good team. I just can't see them beating the likes of the Manchester teams because of how strong their off-seasons have been. 
Then we have Liverpool. They're always strong. They're always up and around there. Um, and you never know what's going to happen. They had a tough year with injury. But again, can't see them beating the Champions League winners or the Manchester teams. And then we have Leicester. Obviously won the FA Cup just weeks ago uh, at the time of recording this podcast. I think they're going to be a solid team. I can't see them breaking into the top four, which will leave them out of Champions League yet again with Tottenham at fairly distance behind them there in sixth place. I think they're going to have a solid season. I don't know what happens if Kane goes. Hopefully we sign a very good striker. If Kane doesn't go, hopefully he plays his heart out and then we'll have a shot at FA Cup. And then I have Leeds. Again, a bit of a dark horse. They could finish 12th. They could finish 5th. No one really knows. So that's why I've put them where they are. And then we have Arsenal behind them. They've had a pretty tough offseason. They've paid Ben White way too much money. So I don't really know what's going to happen there, but I... Um, I'll be looking back at this podcast in a few months and we'll be seeing seeing how close I got to these predictions. But that is actually going to wrap it up for this incredibly short podcast. Again, I really appreciate you guys coming through. If you did make it to the end, I appreciate you so much. My Instagram is 56grid if you want to keep up to my updates. I post there not too much anymore, but I'm trying to get back into it. But if you look at my Instagram stories, I stay pretty active there. That is 56 Five six T H G R I D grid. I'll tell you the meaning behind it in a future podcast. That's gonna do it for today. Have a wonderful morning, day, evening, midnight, mid morning, wherever you are in the world. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode of Action in the Future.